Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I'm telling you what, our sophomore, junior, and senior year, there weren't a lot of days where I didn't not I, I didn't put three workouts in. There were there weren't many days, and I don't ever remember being off the mat really from my ninth, tenth grade year till I was done competing in 2000. So from '85 to 2000. I don't remember being off the mat more than like one or two days in a row. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back my time that's good wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness yes ladies and gentlemen we're back. Another episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Troy Steiner, head coach at Fresno State and former national champ for the University of Iowa. What I love about this podcast is hearing how disciplined Troy and Terry were with their workouts back in the day. And essentially, from 1985 through 2000, they did three days every single day and were never away from the mat for more than one to two days during that 15-year run. Crazy people, but that's what it takes to succeed at this level. Really enjoyed this conversation, and obviously hope you do as well. Before we get into it, fan of the week time, and it goes to Jeremy Anderson, a fellow Quad Cityan. Thank you for tuning in, my friend. Greatly appreciated. Also, if you enjoy this bad boy, head to wrestling at changemylife.com for all past episodes and videos. Now give it up for Troy, the North Dakota Nightmare, Steiner. Peace! All right, so we're here with Troy Steiner. Troy, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. Absolutely. So you are you and your brother are well known for your your dominance at Iowa. Now you're leading Fresno State, and your brother's leading the women's team. But what I'm curious about is how did all this get started for you guys? I mean, how did you and your brother get involved with wrestling in the first place? You know, we had a couple uncles that uh, that were more like big brothers to us. They were about 10 years older than us and they wrestled in high school. And, you know, every Sunday we'd meet at, at grandma's house and, you know, they kind of got us into it, you know, at a young age. And they put us into a tournament, I think when we were in kindergarten. And, uh, and then after that, we never really went back to it until probably about fourth grade. Is that when you went into it kind of full time from then on? Uh, you know, then I think we, we got in with a club, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Milo Trusty. He started, um, it was his son, my brother and I, and there was one other gentleman that, uh, or one of, one other kid that was in, a, there was four of us when it first started called the Matt Pack Wrestling Club out of Bismarck, North Dakota. And, you know, it, it grew from us four and when we were in, like fourth grade but when we left high school i think it was up around 150 kids you know so it was uh it was pretty neat to be a part of it but but milo had a huge impact in our in our wrestling career and in our lives you know that's incredible it grew that much and did you grow up in north dakota or south dakota north dakota oh you did okay yeah in bismarck north dakota okay and so you had a lot of influences early on, and that sounds like a lot of guys we talked to where like an uncle or an older brother got them going. When did you and Terry start taking it 
serious, like real serious, where you knew you wanted to do it at a high, high level? Well, you know, when we first got into it in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, even probably seventh grade, we didn't have a lot of success, you know, and I, I don't know why, to be honest, we really stuck with it. You know, I know Milo did a great job with, you know, keeping us engaged and, and into the sport. And, uh, but it definitely wasn't because we had early success, you know, you know, we were, we didn't have success early on. So I think the other thing that really pulled us to wrestling or got us, kept us close to it was we were very shy. We lived out in the country. We didn't have a lot of neighbor kids around us. Um, so when our parents put us in baseball or even football or any team sport, we we didn't really like it because we were too shy to interact really with the other kids. But when we went into wrestling and you were out there with against one guy and you weren't really having to communicate much, it was <laughs> we were pretty we were pretty used to that, you know, being a twin and and I think that's one of the big reasons we probably stuck with it a little bit, you know. And then once we started having success later on then it, we you know kind of took off for us but you know the first few years probably fourth through sixth seventh grade we we did it like three months a year you know that are three months out of the out of the year and and then the rest of the time we were usually on a horse or we spent a lot of time at the lake in the summer or, or a river at, uh, at the sum in the summer and um but then you know we we definitely about eighth grade, we we had our sights set on, you know, wanting to be on the high school team in ninth grade, and and um and that's I think when we really dove into it, more full time, you know, more year round type of a situation. It's crazy that back then your expectations were just to make the varsity team as a freshman, whereas now people in eighth grade, it's so much more advanced than even when I was there and let alone when you were back in the sport. It's pretty crazy to see that. Yeah. I mean, back then, I mean, in North Dakota, you could start, you could really make the varsity team as a seventh grader if you were good enough to do that. And, um, but we, we were definitely not, you know, in, in that situation in, in seventh grade, but, uh, you know, as we got closer to high school, we really start putting more into it and we start having a little success. So that, that really helped, you know, the motivation and everything. So um, we started seeing, kind of got a taste of it, and it kind of it took off for us, you know. So. And you hit on something I was curious to to learn about was what was your family life like, or where did you guys grow up? And so it sounds like you grew up out in a, a farmhouse. Did you guys do a lot of work on the yeah. farm, or what was that like for you? Well, we not, I wouldn't say we lived on a farm. We lived on a hobby farm, I would say. We had, we had horses growing up and we made hay quite a bit and you know we rode uh, horses a lot but we never we never grew up on a farm and we had our dad we wanted my dad to buy a farm um when we were in like junior high we kept bugging him to buy a farm and and uh, so he sent us out to one of his cousin's pig farm that had, had 700 pigs and he sent us out there for two summers and after that shoveling crap and, <laughs> you know, and 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 doing the work uh, uh, on the farm for two summers we were like ah that's okay we're, we're fine with these horses you know <laughs> so is and that's changed our mind that's gotta be where the work ethic comes from because when i talk to all the old iowa guys that i've talked to for this documentary i'm doing the one thing that comes through with the steiner boys is just the discipline your diet and your work ethic so i got to imagine that started pretty early for you guys and your parents are probably examples of that is that fair to say yeah our our parents were the ones that taught us that i mean they my parents they had us when they were 17 and 18 years old and they went right to work to provide for us and my mom ran her own uh hair salon and um, my dad was you know he was a he worked for a freight company, was the tire man for a freight company. But, um, you know, they they showed their they – they went right to work out of high school and, you know, just to try to provide for us and give us the resources, you know, that they never had. And 
we saw that very early on, you know, and, um, you know, my mom's salon was open from seven in the morning till 11 at night. Wow. And, um, we saw the dedication and the, and the work that both my parents put in, you know, just to provide a good life for us. So, you know, for us to go do a few workouts a day or a couple workouts a day, you know, what was something we would love to do. It didn't seem like a job to me. It was, it was a something I chose to do, you know? So, um, but we saw we definitely owned our work ethic from our parents. There's no doubt about that. Well, and because of that perspective, what other people might look at it as work to do all these workouts, you were grateful that you even had a chance to do that, even had the opportunity to do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we were very, very fortunate, I feel. And, you know, I wouldn't, people have asked, like, how would you change your childhood or something? I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't. I, I, I learned so much from my parents and and uh, and extended family around that I I had I felt I had a very good life growing up as a young kid, you know, and and I never I had opportunities that that my parents didn't have. So right. I feel very fortunate. And so once you got into high school, when did you guys start wrestling year round? Did you have like a wrestling room at your house where you guys could train? Because I imagine you wrestled all the time since you were similar in weight. You know, we when the mat pack was with Milo, we, I think in about eighth grade, Milo wanted to get a wrestling mat. And uh, what we did is we had, he, there was some something where there were four 12 by 12 mats. And uh, that he could buy, I think, at a package kind of deal. So he took one, we took one, and then there were two other families that took, you know, these these maps. So we had a 12 by 12 in our house, um, and Milo had one at his house, and that's really where we, you know, we really started getting into it in the, in the eighth, ninth grade, and spent, you know, that's when we dove into it year round, and it was. You know, and I just felt out what we needed to do. You know, I said, like I said, we saw that commitment from our parents every day, putting the work in and, and, you know, trying to provide for us. So when we decided to dive into this, my dad always said, my dad never pushed us at all. He just said, if you're going to do something, don't do it half ass. Right. You know, go after it. And that's all he ever said. My dad, he never pushed us. I don't ever remember my dad coming and watching us at a practice because he was busy working. My mom was busy working, but they were always there to support us. They were always there at, at our tournaments and they provided us with being able to travel some places to get to tournaments. And, um, you know, they, they were just there for us in that regard. So, um, but I think about eighth, ninth grade is when we really started diving into it. But like they weren't, driving you hard and getting on you if you lost a match. They were just there to support you whenever you needed. Yeah, no, my dad was a very even-keeled guy, level-headed, and, you know, all he'd say is if he'd have a loss or something didn't go right, he'd just say, get back to the drawing board. Get back at it. And (laughs) my mom mom was a little bit more probably the fire plug where she, if she didn't see effort or something like that or hustle on the mat, she would definitely let us know, and, but, <laughs> but nothing, but nothing, nothing more than that. Cause they didn't know, they didn't know anything about wrestling. You know, they didn't know much about the sports. So, but they knew about hustle and they knew about work and, and effort. And, uh, so when they didn't see that or they, if there was sportsmanship that wasn't, was not right, uh, they would definitely, my, I think my mom would have came and drug us off the mat if she would have saw bad sportsmanship so so that those are a couple things that we knew that we had to show if we if we were going to go into this we had to put effort in and uh and then you'd be a man about it if you lose you lose if you win you win but you you don't take it any further than that and leave it on the mat and be done with it and those are like the non-negotiables right like just effort respect and and discipline exactly okay exactly so to, if if we're in Bismarck, North Dakota, you know, the middle of summer, let's say going into your senior year, 
how many times a day are you and Terry working out of the mat? And is it something like every day you guys were wrestling? You know, I'm telling you what, we worked out every morning, every afternoon, and every evening. And and that was not, and, and I think people think that there were, you know, we're, we're crazy or that they don't think we really did that. I'm telling you what, our sophomore, junior, and senior year, there weren't a lot of days where I didn't not, I, I didn't put three workouts in. There were there weren't many days, and I don't ever remember being off the mat, really, from my ninth, tenth grade year, till I was done competing in 2000. So from '85 to 2000, I don't remember being off the mat more than like one or two days in a row. <laughs> That's wild. I just, I just I just don't remember it, and I, I don't I don't think there were any days, you know, that we weren't on the mat or some. If we weren't on the mat, we were out on the front yard wrestling or drilling or whatever. We we spent a lot of time learning the sport and and really trying to refine our technique and 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 just grow. You talk uh, about the ten thousand hour rule. I mean, you hit that early if you were doing that kind of work. Cause I thought that was only in college. So you were doing those three a days even outside of the season in high school. So like mid September, you guys were doing that then. Yeah, we were. Wow. You know, we'd get up in the morning before school. We'd sometimes we'd go in at, at the, our lunch hour. Uh, we'd go in after school and then some, and then sometimes at night too. Sometimes it was four workouts, you know, but I, it was definitely, definitely two or three. I know that for a fact. You know, I mean, I, I know that. You know, what drove you? You think was so, it to be just that? That's I what just, you expected, or how, I, yeah, go ahead. I don't know. I, I just think that we had a we were obviously fanatics about it, and I, I think it was just that we that we wanted to accomplish certain things and we knew like we went to a couple of tournaments. I know my sophomore year in high school, I went to the central regional and I thought I was pretty good. I already won a state championship in North Dakota and thinking I was pretty good. And I went there and I got my butt handed to me and, uh, I came home from that and I was like, I gotta do something different here. So I my I looked at, we looked at everything, our diet, our, our training, what we were doing for training. We looked at everything and tried to give ourselves the edge, the, an edge every way we could. And I gave up soda when I was in a sophomore in high school. I never drank it again until 2000. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> what about alcohol uh, or yeah, anything I, like that? Never drank or anything, huh? I never, I never had alcohol. No. To this day? No. So, uh, I, I do now. I yeah. Have, you know, that's one. But, uh, but, uh, until I was done competing, nothing, uh, nothing. Cause I knew it, it was going to be hard enough to get to the levels that I wanted to get to no matter what, even if things were going right and I was feeling my best, it was still going to be tough because it was, I didn't feel I was that gifted in, in some areas. So, I knew I had to give myself every edge I possibly could, and so I, and that's what we looked to do. And then we, we just made some changes and and stuck with it, right or wrong. That's what we did. Do you remember who who you wrestled at that Central Regional that kind of woke you up? And was it something where you went zero yeah. and two, or were you in there battling? Oh, I, I remember like it was yesterday. It was Jack Griffin who wrestled at. Northwestern, and uh, he was he was a smaller than me in college, and he was a few years older than me. Um, but but yeah, he put a beat down. I think I got the first takedown, and then he beat me. I think he text fault me, and I was like, it hit me hard. Like I thought it was pretty good, you know. But I got I got rolled up pretty quick. Did you know anything about him before that match? No, I never knew anything about anyone, really. And uh, coming out of North Dakota, you know, it's funny. We went, we went to 
the camp at Iowa our junior year of high school. We went to the summer camp there, and I didn't even know that was where the – I didn't even know it was where the University of Iowa was. I just knew we were going to a camp in Iowa. And <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even realize it was the home of Dan Gable and the Hawkeyes. I didn't even – I didn't even know. Well, it's like before the internet, there was really not much. And for you guys, you guys were so focused. I can't imagine you as kids who had like, not that there were cell phones back then, but if there were, doesn't seem like you're the type of guys that would be all over that anyway. You were kind of just laser focused. Yeah, no, we, we, yeah, and we were, you know, we lived out in the country. Like I said, I was on a horse. I wasn't, we weren't working out or someone, we were usually on a horse or, you know, so it, it just never... I, I was kind of naive or oblivious to everything going on around me in the, in the wrestling world. I just never saw much. I know we never saw a college match or Division One college match till our senior year of high school. Which one was that when you finally did see it? We we went and watched Minnesota and Iowa wrestle, and um, and then we went to the NCAs that year, and uh, and in Ames, and we watched that, and. Uh, that was really our first experience we had with college wrestling. So we had some goals. We wanted to wrestle in college and, you know, we got, had gotten to know, you know, some of the Randy Lewis was a, we got to know him as when we were in high school a little bit, but still didn't really know a lot about him. I just knew that he, you know, was from South Dakota. I knew he won a gold medal in 84. Um, and he kind of, helped us you know just he helped us in the sport with our he'd come in the summer we went to his summer camp we went at christmas we went down we drove down to south dakota where he was from and we worked out for a few days with him and uh so we got to know them a little bit but we didn't really i didn't know any history of the sport i didn't know any you know history at iowa for sure you know so uh, when we first got down to Iowa I was I didn't even know if I really belonged there to tell you the truth. Like if I was even at that level. And I remember our parents, like when Gable came up to recruit and we had Jay Robinson in, like our parents were asking, do these guys, do you think they belong at this level? Like they, they didn't know. Right. How would you know? Like, did you go to the junior nationals at all? Like the modern day Fargo? Did you ever go to that? Yeah. So my, our sophomore year we went, and um how'd you do we were we went like two and two i went two and two my junior year i ended up fifth and then my senior year i won it but but by that point the recruiting's already been done you know going into your yeah so okay so going into your senior year you got fifth what did your brother place no i didn't place that year and then our senior year he ended up seventh i believe did you have a lot of coaches recruiting you then your senior year because jay rob must have been at minnesota at that time um yeah jay jay did and we went to jay's camp when we were sophomores in high school and uh so jay kind of knew us from camp a little bit maybe i don't know he's got a thousand kids at camp so who knows if he really knew us or not but um being at minnesota he probably was following a little bit of north dakota to see if there was any talent there but um we had jay who was recruiting us andy ryan start recruiting us out of out of wisconsin um tim newman out of nebraska recruited us and then uh gable gable started gable really never got on us until the spring of our senior year and i think randy lewis without randy lewis his influence and i think he just told gable you got to look at these guys you have to look at these guys. And I think Gable was like, yeah, they're from North Dakota. You know, I don't know. You know, there's not much up there. He's like, I'm telling you, you have to look at these guys. You know, he said, you're throwing away potential national championships right here. And I think when he's, he went to Gable, then Gable finally started taking a look at us, I think, you know, and, and then the rest is history. Did Gable make a trip out? He he came to the house and he came to the house and did a home visit and and uh, 
and really, you know, Gable, we knew Jay a little bit from being at his camp. Gable, Gable was not real, you know, personal at the time. Actually, when we went on a recruiting trip, he wasn't even there, you know, <laughs> on a recruiting trip to Iowa. So, you know, when he came to the house and talked, you know, he really just talked about the program and just said, you know, we'll give him an opportunity, you know, but he never promised like anything. Like, because I think he didn't know how, how successful we could be. You know, he did, I don't think he saw us enough, you know, even Russell. So, um, but I think if for us, the reason I think we chose there just, it was a, Iowa city was about the same size community as Bismarck, you know, many Minnesota, we knew Jay a little bit more and uh, Jay was very personal. Jay was around a little bit more. We saw Jay a little bit more, but in the end, I think it was just the city, you know, we were just, I wasn't comfortable in Minneapolis, you know, more than anything, you know, it was closer to home. It was, you know, they offered, they offered more scholarship, but it just, didn't feel right and and um and we decided to go with Iowa well and this is during a time when 87 Iowa gets second 88 they get second 89 they get six and then 90 they end up getting third so this is the the era that's called the new era so to speak where Gable admittedly wasn't doing a lot of recruiting in the mid to late 80s and just assumed that whoever he'd get he could make a national champ so this is kind of during the time where he was getting out on the road a little bit more, but even then he wasn't like the guy that would come in and like sweet talk your mom. And like, he wasn't like, he wasn't like the Lord of the living room, so to speak. Right. He, it was still kind of, kind of awkward or not as personal as someone like a J Rob at that time still. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, and, and the one thing was with Dan, when he came in, like my, like a lot of people would probably be at awe of having Gable in the living room or, we didn't know him. We didn't really know who he was, like, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, I don't think my parents did either, you know, and they were just looking to see what they felt was the best fit for, for us. But they, they definitely saw and Gable, uh, a, a very genuine guy would, it was going to, you know, definitely cared about the athletes that he had, or it seemed so from, you know, when he came up and talked to, to him he was very honest you know and I think they saw that as well you know even though my parents never swayed us one way or the other they never said a word I think when when we decided to go to Iowa they were they were very happy about it it was Terry on board with Iowa as well or was he kind of leaning towards Minnesota yeah no actually it was the other way I was kind of leaning towards Minnesota I think and Terry was leaning towards Iowa and, and um and then we, you know, we sat on it for uh, a while, and then we, you know, and I think Terry just said, you know, we've, you know, they're, uh, at the time the program wasn't probably, at Minnesota wasn't the same as it was at Iowa, you know, but it was probably, it was going to be harder to break in as well. But we just thought uh, they're giving us this, this program that we see all these titles and champions, they're giving us an opportunity if we don't take this, we might regret it. And did you ever think about going uh, to separate schools, or did you always know you'd go to the same school? No, we knew for we knew for one thing we were going together. We we knew that for sure. I love so that. That wasn't even a, that wasn't even an option. So then you you get to Iowa, and were the Brands brothers there yet? Yeah, so the Brands were there. They got there a year before us, so they were a year one year ahead of us. They were. They were redshirting our senior year of high school, so, and, uh, you know, we get to Iowa, and we're roughly around the same weight. They're a little bit smaller, but, but, uh, about, you know, pretty close to the same, same size. And, uh, we were a little taller, maybe, or, mm -hmm. but they were probably a little thick, a little thicker than us, so, <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, immediately you, I think I noticed like the the intensity, the work that they put in, and you had you respected that right away, you know. And I think I think from their part looking at us, I think they respected us for what they saw us come in there, and you know we're working out three times a day, and 
And I think a lot of people thought when we got down there, like, slow down, like, don't, you know, it's going to, this is going to wear off. Well, it didn't wear off. That's what we did. You're like, dude, and, we've been uh, doing this since we were sophomores in high school. We know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, this is who we are. This is what we do, you know, and, and uh, so I think, you know, there was definitely a, with brands there, there was definitely a mutual respect and, and obviously it was a great situation for all of us to learn from each other and, and, uh, or well, I can say it for myself, it was, I'm glad they were there while I was there. Oh, and they say the same about you when I was interviewing Tom, they said the, you know, well, Tom said that about you, you guys just being like just two peer groups that were you know, different, of course, they were a little pushed over the line a little bit more. You guys were a little more reserved, but the way you thought about wrestling was the same. And it had to be kind of a relief to you to get to Iowa and finally be like, all right, Terry and I aren't the only, aren't the only fanatics here. You got some other guys here that are like that as well. And this is also during the time where the guys in the team weren't as much partiers as they were just a few years prior. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, but those guys that were came before us, like Randall and Penrith and Lewis and those guys, they were a huge part of our development the first couple of years we were there because they were they were post graduates and uh, still training, so they had a huge impact in our career. And Barry Davis was another one, you know. I mean, yeah, huge impact in our career, you know, just because you got to work with those guys every day. What about Mark yeah. Johnson? Did you work with him at all, or was he gone at that point? No, Mark was there. He he was a head assistant when we went there, and yeah, he was a great guy, and you know, I, you know, very hardworking, loyal, you know, just a good guy all around, you know, and learned an awful lot from him as well. I love that guy, and so when you, what about the actual wrestling in the room? How was the the transition? And the reason I ask is before all this youth wrestling that you have now, it was pretty common for guys to come into a room and struggle for, for quite some time. What was it like for you guys? And were there ever times during that first year where you doubted whether or not you belonged there? Well, I, I think, you know, what really helped is we didn't have success early on in our career as, as young kids either. So, and then when we start having success, when we start putting more into it. So when we got to Iowa and really, yeah, we were taking a beating like every other freshman that came in there, except when you, you know, you could go with the guys that came in during your same time and you do okay. But the guys that were there a year or two years or more, they, you know, they were giving you a little bit of the beat down. And so I, I don't think I ever questioned, do I, can I make it at this level? I, I don't, I don't know if I question that. Um, but you knew it was, you, you had to bring the fight every day. You know, you had to bring the fight every day or it was going to be a, a tough day for you. And you know, it still might be a tough day, but at least <laughs> you have a chance, you know, it's uh be okay. Yeah. A lot of guys talk so. about going into the practice equally as anxious as going into a tournament because the guys you are wrestling were, Olympians, world team members, national champs, and that seems to be pervasive when you talk to any of the, any of the Iowa guys. Can you relate to that just from your time there? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I used to try to, or I used to pick my partner the day before, like after practice on Monday, I'd pick my partner for Tuesday because after practice, you're feeling pretty good. Maybe going to the sauna or stretching you know, cooling down, whatever, he's feeling pretty good about practice being completed. And, and, uh, see, I'd always pick my partner because if, and then, then the whole next day, you're like, I better get myself ready. I, I'm going with, if it was Tom or Terry or Tom Ryan or, you know, whoever it was, you know, you just knew it was going to be a tough day. So you thought about it all day long, like getting your <laughs> mentally mentally preparing for it and physically too like you you wanted to make sure you had the right fuel in your body so you prepared for for it all day long and that because if you'd count if you wouldn't pick your partner until the day of it's always easier human tendency you're going to take a little easier path you wow. know maybe a little 
a partner that was a little bit easier for you. You know, so I always tried to pick my partner the day before. And, the, you know, and that was with the post-collegiates that were there at the time, Penrith, Randall, Lewis, Barry Davis. You know, they were all around our, you know, our weight. So you had those guys, and then you had all the guys in the room. And I remember Mark Johnson, and I remember him telling me one one time that, you know, when, when you're picking, he said, I appreciate your, your, the attitude and you want to go against the toughest people all the time. He said, but you want to make sure you have some success too. Like, cause I suppose he saw us getting our butt kicked or <laughs> getting my butt. And, and he didn't, he knew that to have, to build yourself up with confidence and you have to have some success. So he said, you know, pick a guy maybe one day that's going to give you fits, but the next day, you know, grab a guy that you're going to be able to score some points on. And and then then go the next day, go back and grab a guy that's going to give you fits again. But have success. And the, those days that you don't have much success in the practice room, then, you know, that was, those were days where I'd come back in at night and get a, a good drill in. So I had success before I went to bed. I felt good about myself or about my progress during the day, you know, before I went to bed that night. But, you know, you just got to continually feed yourself a little bit of success to keep you motivated and, and keep you moving forward. Right. When a lot of the Iowa guys say that's why they like going to open tournaments was that it might be easier than working out with the team. And you can imagine why with the caliber of guys there. Now, one of the thing that's always interesting to me is, a lot of people talk about how Gable, they weren't really close to them right away, but there was always some break break point or some moment where he was able to get under their skin and get new levels out of them. You seem like a pretty even keel guy, so I'm curious. Did that ever happen with you where Gable was able to play the mind game and kind of get more out of you? Well, I think he just say there's times when he just says like a word or two to you that, it, you know, I was... Uh, I think a lot of us during that time, we were, we were pleasers. We, or at least myself, I wanted to please. I wanted to, I wanted the approval of Gable or an, an authority figure that above me. You know, I wanted that approval. So you were always looking to do what you could to get that. And, and, um, you know, I mean, Gable, I remember you know, having just having a practice one day and, you know, I was, I was, I thought I was working hard and, and, uh, but maybe not having the best day. And I remember he came by and he just said, you're going to have to be tougher. Or I thought you were tougher than that, you know, or, or you're going to have to be tougher than that. And I, I remember like, I was just pissed, like, like, you know, cause I thought I had put a lot of effort in and, but he, he must've thought that there was more there to give, you know? And uh, so then the next day you'd come into practice and you'd give that much, he'd give another percent or two or three or whatever it was more. You know, so he just, he knew how to push your buttons a little bit. And, you know, some guys it was different. It was, it was different for some guys than others, you know, and, it, and that's what I think made Gable who he was, you know, as a coach. Exactly. That's Penrith talks about how Gable would be writing him. I mean, just relentlessly writing him. But at the same time, he'd be over there pumping up Royce. And whereas with Penrith, he's coaching against the other guy in practice, you know, and like trying to get under his skin. And I always wonder what it was like for you two because you just get the sense that you guys are doing everything you can already anyway. And maybe there isn't much more he can do. But even with you guys, he found a couple couple angles and was able to work his way in there. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't think it was like the, with us. It wasn't the drive. It wasn't the effort we put in necessarily. Or, but you know, but anytime you're like, I can go put myself through a workout. If a coach is putting you through, you're just going to give a little bit more. You're going to give another percent or two more, and and that's what he was able to do. You know, and just what whatever he said. I don't think it was ever a drive or anything like that that he had to worry about us losing our motivation or anything like that but it was he, he could get a little bit more out of you right you know than than maybe others could so when you once you were there for a while and you were out of the dorms did you and 
Terry live in your own house together? And like, were there other guys in the house as well? Like a bunch of Hawkeyes living together? Yeah, so we lived in the dorm for one year. And then after that, we moved into the apartment right behind Carver. It was right next. And when we were in there, we were in there with Mark Ryland who lived with us. Joel Sherrill was with us. And then I think in another apartment, it was Shelsvig and Tom Brands. And um, uh, did Tom Chambers, Ryan live with I Terry? They lived together. Tom Ryan and Terry lived together. They were in that apartment as well. So I mean, we we had I think like four or five of the units in that apartment building, you know, just with wrestlers alone, you know, and it was just so convenient. It was right across the street from Carver, and you know, it was it was awesome. I love the Tom Ryan story where he was on scholarship, goes to a couple dual meets where Iowa was wrestling, I think like Lehigh or Penn State, and he just, and I've had him on this podcast a long time ago, but he says, I just remember this moment where I said, I'm not going to be on my deathbed wondering what if. And so he leaves a scholarship, takes a Greyhound essentially, gets to Iowa City in August before school starts and is living out of a hotel and ultimately gets close with Terry and lives with him. I mean, just an incredible story, and then goes on to get second to Pat Smith in a battle. He was winning, you know, most of the match. What do you remember about Tom Ryan coming there, and what do you take away from your time training with him? No, I, one of the, you know, toughest individuals I've ever worked out with, you know, or just he, he was so, for me, he was so strong, and, and he had the explosive power, you know, that, gave me trouble as an athlete, you know, so he was, yeah, and a hard, hard worker, you know, I and mean, then just, he, you know, to give up what he had at Syracuse and to come to Iowa, you know, just on a, because he wanted to do it, he wanted to accomplish certain things, you know, and that was the only reason he came, you know, and I think that was one thing with that team that we had that during those years is you had, really had 10 individuals and there were more than 10, but probably 15 or 20 in that room that really had a, they had one goal in mind, you know, and that was to win a national championship as an individual and as a team. And and not only that, just be, be the best you could be, you know, not even limit yourself to a national championship, just be the best you can be. And uh, you think that'd be easy to create and, you know, as a coach, that's what you want, right? You want a, a lineup of ten guys that have one common goal, and they're they're workhorses, and they put everything into it. You know, and it's but it's hard to get. It's hard to get. But I think at that time, we definitely had a team that was very driven, hardworking guys that would do anything for each other, and. uh then we had one goal in mind, you know, and that was it. And uh, so it was very, very great opportunities in that time for me to be around all those guys and learn from. And I think you can, you talk to Tom Ryan, you talk to the brands, the Ryland, Chelsvig, all those guys that were on that, on that, in that group, they'd say the same thing. Had to be a dream environment to train in because one of the things you hear about the RTCs is that, sometimes it can be a little lonely training like that and sometimes college teams as well. But 91 and 92 for you guys, you were not kidding when you said you had 10 guys that thought they could win. And 92, you had an All-American that didn't even make the lineup and at one point that year had seven of the guys ranked number one. So that environment must have just been special at that time. Yeah, it's funny because I just talked to my team here the other day about the competition in the room and i said you know that here at fresno we're going into our third year and we're it's really the first year we've been at, at full personnel we're at 32 guys now on the team the first year we were at 20 this year we we're at, or the last year we were at 25 now this year we're at 32 so in that, there's some competition in the room right now to make the lineup and it's really been the first year that we've had that and i just I said, I'm going to get the elephant out of the room right now. If, if, if it is, if, and if you don't know by now that there's competition here, you know, to make this team. And, and I think you guys know that, but let's talk. I want to talk about it because competition can be a, 
a wonderful thing, and it can help you really evolve and grow as a person, as a as a wrestler, you know, out, even outside of wrestling, it can really help you evolve and grow if you are looking at it the right way. Because it's really not about beating the opponent uh, out on the mat or across the room from you. It's about being the best you can possibly be. And that's what it's about. So, and it'll bring the best out in you, you know, and then right. that's what I think what we, what we had there. Like I remember, and I used the example to my team the other day, like my freshman year at Iowa, I was a, I was a fifth in the country as a freshman. And I come back my sophomore year or preseason, I'm ranked number two in the country. And I get beat out in an inter-squad match. By who? By Ryan Sugai. No kidding. Who, uh, and uh, I had to, they had a dual meet tournament, the, one of our first competitions, that I had to sit and watch five dual meets. And I remember going into Gable's office and, you know, not a little anxiety and, you know, not feeling great about it. And uh, Gable said, don't worry about it. And I was like, what do you mean don't worry about it? He goes, just get yourself ready to go for the next opportunity. you got to get yourself ready to go. So then we, we had, I think we had the next week or two weeks later, we had the Northern Open up in Wisconsin. And uh, I met Ryan in the semis, and I I beat him. And then we both went to Midlands that year, and I played, I think I was third in Midlands, and he never plays. So I kind of had the spot back, but I knew he was breathing down my neck, like he was right there. And he was a guy that was very explosive, powerful, very quick, and that was, those were the guys that gave me trouble. And... Uh, so without him, I would like to think that I could have rose to the level that I did without him, but I don't know if I could have because he brought the best out in me. He, he forced me to evolve my wrestling and grow as, as a wrestler, and, um, and that's what competition does. And that's, we had that there. Like you said, the All-American that didn't make the team again, that was Doug Stryker. And now my freshman, our freshman year, my brother didn't make the team. Doug beat him out. And Doug went on to play fifth that year. And then our sophomore year, Doug was ranked second preseason coming in, and so was I. And we both got beat in the inner squad. I got beat, and my brother beat Doug. <laughs> oh, my God. So it was, that's how, I mean, that's how competitive it was. And, um, Unbelievable. You know, and then the, that's how it went, but you, you just knew you couldn't rest on what you did in the past. You had to perform again. And, um, so yeah, there was, there was that, I don't know if it's pressure, but it was, I guess it is pressure. And I always say, if you, if you want to win, there's going to be pressure. So don't hide from it. Don't try to brush it under the rug. Just learn how to handle it emotionally and learn how to handle it mentally. You know, there's going to be some pressure if you want to win. So don't, you know, learn how to deal with it. I love what, not that I've ever talked to him, but I love what John Smith says about pressure. I've heard of him in several interviews. He says it's a privilege. And it's exactly right, because if there's pressure, that means that you've done something, right? And so pressure is a privilege is something I write down maybe once a month if I'm feeling a little anxiety. Um but what's it been like running the running the show out there at Fresno? Because they had a, a a good program in the '90s. You know, the Abbas boys, Stephen Abbas, one of the best in collegiate wrestling history, in my opinion. They dropped the program in the mid 2000s. They bring it back, and then they hire you. You know, not being from California, how's it been recruiting and getting things back up and running there? You know, it's been it's been great. I I feel very fortunate to be in this position and have the opportunity to, to run this thing. You know, we're in a, we're in a valley here in central California and really in a state that has huge numbers in wrestling. Mm-hmm. There's 27,000, 27,000 high school wrestlers, you know, and there's only five programs out here at the division one level. You know, so we have a lot of 
a lot of talent in the state, a lot of kids that are, you know, in the Central Valley, it's all agriculture. It's very much like the Midwest. It's They're hardworking, blue-collar people, and that's what wrestling generally is. And uh, so I think when I had got this opportunity, I I didn't want to turn from it just because I knew the influence that I could have here and and the help that I could maybe bring to some of these guys. And, and not saying that I know more than other people, but I've had, I've been fortunate to be under some great coaches and at some great programs where I know what I need to put in place uh, to, to create the environment that's, give these guys the best chance to win i'll say you know um, more coach i'll say you know more because you've trained under some incredible coaches um you know uh, jim zaleski gable you're at wisconsin for a while i mean you've seen it all and then what your brother's doing with the women's team i know you get to go out there a lot that's incredible and so mm -hmm. yeah to your point cal California is loaded. They're, I love their junior college season. They have their own junior college season that's going on right now. And some of those guys don't get to start wrestling until they're in high school, and they become phenomenal. Yeah. No, it's just there, there's – and I, I've, I've always said, like, like, you take the top kids out of any state. And, like, coming out of North Dakota, obviously there's not as many numbers as there are here in California. But the top kids – they'll compete anywhere because they have the expectation. You know, when I came out of North Dakota, I was used to winning. I was out of high school. I, I, I won quite a bit in high school and I was used to winning. So when I went on, that didn't change. My expectations of what I wanted didn't change, you know, and, and I think you look at the top kids out of any, any, state it's the same because they have the expectation to to succeed and out here there's just more numbers there's more kids that that have the ability but haven't maybe had the resources and that's what we're trying to provide here in the central valley you know and, and in the state with not just the the fresno state program but the valley rtc you know, where we can touch more kids and we can be around more kids. Because I want these guys to know that, for one, they can come here and this is a kind of a one-stop shop for them. They don't have to go back to the Midwest. They don't have to go back to the East. But, but I know at the same time, I know we're not going to be able to keep everyone, you know. But it, it, the more I can help the development of even the youth out here, because I know for the most part I'm going to win or lose with these kids in the state. Yeah. And so I want to have my hand in their, in their development and, and try to help them as much as they, I can. And if they move on and go elsewhere, it doesn't matter. It's, they're still, they're raising the level of the whole area and the, and the state. So, um, so it's been great. I, I, I feel fortunate. It's, it's my time to, to give back and nothing I'm teaching or a, uh, that I, I try to put together is nothing that I've really thought up myself. It's, I've been very fortunate to be around some great people in my life and, and, and great, great coaches and great programs. So it's my, I just want to pass it on down to these guys. That's an awesome yeah. attitude. And to your point, yeah, I lived in California for five years up in San Francisco and I grew up in the Midwest right near uh, Iowa city. Now I'm back in Chicago, but you know, I never realized the level of wrestling in California and just the level of talent in general is, is extreme out there. And it's across the board in most sports, you know, that some of the top guys come from California mm -hmm. and they like California. They like staying there. And so it's like if you could just get the top guys in the Central Valley and grab maybe one or two from Gilroy or one or two from Poway, like that's going to be a formidable team. And I'm excited to see what happens. Um, and then I was going to ask is when you're, going through a season do you plan it out 12 months in a row or how do you look at the structure of a season and getting those guys to where they need to be well yeah i mean it's definitely a 12-month program right there's not you can't get too far away from the fire you know at this level you, you've got to stay pretty close and connected to what you're doing and and then 
continually moving forward. Because if you stand still for for a you know any period of time, really at this level, you're going to be falling behind. You know, because there's there's so many programs out there now that are putting in the resources. There's so many great coaches out there and athletes that have that have put the time and are putting the commitment in, and um, that it, it's it's competitive as heck. You know, but that's what that's what's fun about it too. That's what's so awesome about it because it's you know now, you know it doesn't matter really where you're from, what school you're from, you better be ready to go because then essentially what's happening, you know, 80 teams at the division one level, every team is essentially like an all star team. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so it's that's the that's the fun part of it, and you have to give yourself, like I said, every edge you can. And, uh, and you got to live, live the lifestyle, you know, if you want to be successful at this level. And if you're, and if you're not, you're fooling yourself, I feel. And you're and the, you got to be very truthful. Yeah. You got to be very truthful with yourself of what you need and, and where you need to improve on. That self-reflection is something that wrestling definitely teaches. And you know, the more self-reflective you can be, including those hard conversations with yourself, typically that correlates with higher levels of success. And you're certainly an example of, of somebody to look up to. And, you know, you talk about doing things for the team. I love the story of, and we'll, we'll wind down with this coach, but I love the story of the sacrifice you made for the Iowa team. You're, and, I, and if the guys in the Fresno State team don't know the story, they should because it's incredible. Your senior year, you're the defending national champ. You haven't lost in you know, God knows how many matches. You're number one in the country. You're almost a lock to win it. And Iowa's struggling a little bit in like January, February of your senior year. Penn State's new to the Big Ten. They're kind of biting at your heels. And you decide, or Gable decide, I don't know who whose idea it was. Gable says it was your idea. I've heard it's I heard it was not your idea. <laughs> but either way, Gable and Zaleski kind of sit you down and say, Hey, we want you to cut down to one thirty four so we can make room for McRae to come to lineup and like that was a hard cut because you're already probably pretty sucked down to get to 142. Just maybe share that story as we wind down here because I know it didn't end out the way you wanted to. You know, I, you got third that year, but it's an incredible story of sacrifice and what you do for the team. And you know, hopefully, you guys have heard that story. And if they haven't, like what all went down there, what transpired? Yeah, and it's kind of funny because this this all started really. It started the year, the summer before. We were we were at wrestling camp summer camps at Iowa and then after one of the practices that we had as a team I was walking out of the practice facility and um, there was a guy in a wheelchair that was watching practice and I was kind of walking out with him talking with him and he said how do you think you guys are going to do this here and I'm like I think we're going to be all right and I said I know we lost a lot we had you know six returning or six starters from the previous team you know, I graduated and, uh, and I said, but I, I think we're going to be fine. You know, we got some young guys that are, we're sitting behind these guys that are, you know, that we'll be able to get it done. And, and he just, he said, ah, you're never going to do it. You lost too much. And we were sitting at the corner right across the street. And I got, I was so mad. Like I wanted to push him out in front of the cars. Like I was <laughs> like, it just, I had to, but but I remembered that, and then when when we we were struggling a little bit as a team after the first of the year, we got beat by Nebraska at the national duels. Penn State was on our heels, and you know I just I didn't want as a, as one of the seniors of the team that year. Um, I sure as heck didn't want to lose the Big Ten championship or the NCAs as a team. You know, or an individual, but as a looking more as a team, I, I didn't want to have that happen on my dime. You know, when I was there, and and uh, and I kept thinking back of that guy in the, the summer before when he when he said that. And uh, so when they came, you know, when they came and asked me to what I thought about going down, and it was really my decision. It wasn't they weren't forcing me to do it, but I kept, I kept thinking of that a little bit. And, uh, so what point of the year is this when they come and talk to you? 
it was after the national duels, which was in mid January. And I said, I wanted to stay up for the all-star meet, which was on February 1st or 2nd. And, um, so I went to the all-star meet on February 1st and that was on a Monday and Friday we wrestled Northwestern. And I said, I want to stay up for the all-star meet, but I, I'll try to go make it down by the Northwestern duel on Friday. So I got back on Tuesday and, uh, you know, we had seven pound allowance, I think at the all-star meet. So at 142, I was at 149 was seven pound allowance. I was probably, I think I came back at way to like 152. And, uh, and then that, that week I was down at, on Friday, I made 134, and uh, and I just told I told Gable and Zaleski like, hey, I want two guys to weigh in. I want um, McElravy to weigh in, and then we had this Jimmy McLaughlin who has wrestled behind me up to that point, and and because uh, I said if I don't feel great, I don't want Lincoln to step on the mat, you know, and so I came off the mat, and I didn't probably didn't feel great, but I knew it was first time down and and i i came off the mat and gable grabbed me right at the edge of the mat and he said who do you want out there and i said if lincoln wants to go let him go so lincoln stepped on the mat and once he stepped on the mat the decision was done yeah so and then you know looking back it obviously it for the most part it worked out right i mean my lincoln won a title my brother won a title the team won the title and I got beat in the semis, and I don't. I don't blame it on on me moving down a weight. I, I I don't think it was physical. I think I had my weight under control at that point, or as much as I could. And and I think it was I was just in the mind. My mindset wasn't right. I didn't. I wanted it to be over with instead of in really. It should have been the best time in my career, really, as a senior going into your semifinal match and you know looking forward to getting out there and wrestling i just wanted to be over with because of the weight cut or because of what i'd say probably because of the weight cut was probably part of it but i i don't i can't blame it on that i just never got myself in the right mindset you know and and you know and it was against a guy that was very good you know carrie Carrie Colbert. i had him i had him two weeks prior and uh in the Big Ten final, you know, so... Did you beat him, or did he beat you? Yeah. No, I beat him in the Big Ten final. Yeah. I mean, so, so you're wrestling a phenom, and, I, and you're a phenom yourself, but you kind of have all this going on in your mind, and so I've heard you say that before, that you don't blame it on the weight cut or anything like that. You just were kind of wanting it to be over, and I, I was just... I was excited to talk to you and ask you why you were feeling that way if it wasn't the weight cut. It's hard to pinpoint, though. You know, it's just hard to know. You know, I've probably the little bit of the, I don't know, just the pressure of the, the magnitude of the match, right? The, the semifinals of the national tournament maybe got me a little bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd been in two other ones and and came through, but, you know, for some reason, one reason or another, I, I didn't get it done, you know, and, you know, that drives me to this day. I love it. I don't want anyone to feel like I did that that day. I just don't. I mean, it was a very dark time for me from competition, but it's probably driven me as a coach and as a, you know, as a competitor because I competed after that, but it's probably driven me. It drives me to this day, you know, for sure. I love that. And I'm excited to see what you guys do out there, coach. Last question is, and we always kind of wind down with this. You know, usually I ask how has wrestling changed your life, but I think it's pretty obvious just through the interview how it has. So I'm going to ask you, you know, what are you most excited for this season with Fresno State and looking forward? Well, I'm excited. I feel like I talked a little bit before is we have some competition in the room right now just to just to get into the lineup. And there's there's some ways I don't know who's going to be the guy for us. And to me, it's just a, it's another step in the right direction. You know, I... I I feel this coming along, you know, pretty well, and I, I'm excited to see these guys compete. They, they, they're, a, they're, they're a working group. They work their butt off. They do whatever I, 
we ask. There's no fight from them, you know, from that standpoint. Um, they, they're bought in, and and I'm just uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what we can do, you know. You know, the, because they've, you know, we haven't had the, the leadership or the seniors, like, that have gone through the program. We haven't had that, you know, and now we're getting some upperclassmen that have been here a few years, you know, and then the new guys coming in, they, they understand, you know, what we're trying to get to. And it's, uh, it's been fun, you know, fun and, and frustrating at the same time, you know, putting it together and, and, uh, and watching it grow. But I'm, I'm really excited for these guys and, and look forward to the season. Yeah, I'm excited too. There's so many good high school programs in California right now. You got uh, Daniel Cormier up at Gilroy. You have Tara Pelly and they're at Clovis, I believe. Um, so man, there's just a yeah, lot Buchanan. of Buchanan. Is it? Yeah, Buchanan. Well, you got one Tara Pelly at Buchanan, and the other one's at Clovis. So, you know, they're both strong programs. Yeah, and then is Poway still a power program? Poway, yeah, they do a great job. Gilroy does a great job. I mean, Selma, Oakdale, they're there's a lot of good programs you know, out here and a lot of coaches that put a lot into it. So it's, and uh, it's a good place, good place to be. That's awesome. Well, looking forward to it. And coach, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ryan. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to wrestling changed my life.